Welcome back to another episode of Northeastern Next. On today's episode, we have Byron Hurt, a 1993 graduate of the College of Arts, Media, and Design. A documentary filmmaker, Byron's latest film, Lee and Liza's Family Tree, debuted on PBS this past November. We'll discuss his co-op experience, career in journalism, and his inspiration for this project. Let's get into it. Hi, Byron. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you, Thomas? Good. I'm doing really well, too. It is the first day in Boston that I'm actually feeling cold. (laughs) (laughs) It's about 23 degrees here, and usually I can handle the cold, whatever. But today's the first day where I actually am like, oh, yeah, it's winter. Where are you you based right now? Are you in Boston? I'm based in New Jersey. Oh, okay. Nice. Are you you feeling any of the cold, too? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's cold, but, you know, I I sort of brace myself for the summer. I just layer up and keep it moving. Yeah, that's really all you can do. There's not there's not really another way around it. You know, I actually enjoy um, working out, exercising in the in the colder weather. You know, something about that crisp fall air, that cool air. Yeah. um, You know, when I'm exercising. So I don't want it so much. Just when it gets into like the teens and the sub-zero weather, like that's when it starts getting really crazy. Yeah, that's not when it's fun anymore. <laughs> no, exactly. But exactly. yeah, thanks again for joining today. I'd love to talk about your Northeastern experience and just how Northeastern has gotten you to where you are today. And then, of course, since it's Northeastern next, would love to hear about what your plans are. So okay, cool. just to start us off, just a little bit of background on yourself and Northeastern. What, what college from Northeastern did you graduate from? And just what was your overall Northeastern experience like? So I graduated with a degree in journalism. So the School of Journalism is, is you know, where I sort of got my background in education around television and print media and just media in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I started out as a speech comm major. I'm not even sure if they still have that major at Northeastern, but that's that's how I entered Northeastern. And then I transferred into the journalism school. And so I thought I wanted to get into radio and television broadcasting. I used to, I used to work as a DJ at WRBB. I had, I had a couple of shows on the, on the radio show there, late night slow jam shows, which I loved. I really loved doing that. I had co-ops or internships at W. CVB, WHDH TV, WBZ TV, and then my last co-op was at uh, the Patriot Ledger. So I wrote for the Patriot Ledger, which is out in Quincy, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. I was able to land a front page story, you know, as a student reporter, which was really really cool. And I was able to write a couple of you know fairly big features. My my job really as a student writer, a student reporter at the Quincy Ledger was to write obituaries. Oh wow! Which was a very interesting experience. Yeah. Yeah. So I have would have like two deadlines. One at like seven fifteen in the morning, and the other was like seven forty five. And I'd have to, you know, gather all this information about deceased people and 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 basically turn it into an obituary, which was a very interesting experience. Yeah, that sounds like a very interesting experience. It's one of those things that. Everybody knows what an obituary is, but you never really think to take a peek behind the curtain there. So, Absolutely. Yeah. You know, one thing I learned about writing obituaries is that it's the most read section of the newspaper. I can believe that's that. what I was saying. Yeah. I, I can and, absolutely. And I learned a, yeah. And I learned a lot of really important lessons about accuracy uh, as a reporter and making sure that people's information is right. Because when you get it wrong, it's a big deal for somebody who who lost their loved one, and this is the last thing that people will see written about them. 
So I learned some really important lessons about making sure that all of the information that is contained in that obituary is 100% accurate. Yeah, no, I think that's something too, especially I'd imagine as like a young and blossoming writer, you know, accuracy. I mean, I write for a living too. I'm not, I don't just do the podcast as cool as that would be, but <laughs> I do all the writing for alumni relations here. And accuracy is definitely something that I can tell you when I was learning to write, I could yeah. definitely overlook it, but that's super interesting. But it sounds like, you know, obviously I'm not trying to make this about myself, but you also worked at Northeastern for a little bit too, right? I did. I did. So when I graduated back in 1993, which is like a long time ago now, I worked for the Center for the Study of Sport and Society. That was my first job after college. Richard Lapchek was my boss. Richard Lapchek is a very powerful man in the world of sports. And then I so I worked there for a few years and then I struck out on my own and I made my first documentary film. I received a fellowship called the Echoing Green Public Fellowship. And that was my first grant that I received to make a documentary. So I left the center so I could focus on getting that film done. I was the first, to my knowledge, based on what I was told, I was the first former student at Northeastern to receive an Echoing Green Fellowship, which was really cool. And so that that gave me an opportunity to, to like really focus on working on and completing my first documentary. Mm-hmm. And after I got finished with that, I needed money. I was broke, <laughs> you know. And so I I got a phone call from Northeastern Communications. And they were, they were wondering, because I had done an internship, a co-op at um, um, Northeastern Relations, Public Relations, when it was on Huntington Avenue. And so they reached out to me and they told me that they were looking for someone to do media relations within the department. And so they, they wanted to know what I was doing. And it just so happened that I needed a job. I needed money. And uh, I went in for an interview when I got that job. And so I did PR and media relations for one year in that department, which was cool. You know, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't really me, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, it was something that I could do, but it wasn't really my passion. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of had a, you know, a heart to heart talk with myself. And, and ask myself some hard questions about whether or not I wanted to continue working in media relations or whether or not I wanted to pursue a career in documentary filmmaker, filmmaking. So after about one year, I resigned from that position and I decided to move back home to New York to pursue a full-time career in documentary filmmaking. That's really cool. So I guess my next question is, is because one, I first of all, I think that's awesome because I think a lot of people that will listen to it are going to take that and think to themselves, maybe I need to have that heart to heart and actually pursue my passion or even just thinking about what their passions even are. So that's really cool that you were able to identify that at such a young age and be able to just focus on it and hone it and move forward with it. But kind of just a little bit to go back to when you were talking about writing for the paper in Quincy, I'm just wondering, you know, graduating from the school of journalism, when people think that, I think people will tend to think of a journalist as writing more print-based or just doing a lot of writing. What made you want to go into documentary filmmaking opposed to, I guess, a more traditional journalistic route? Well, that's a really great question. So I wanted to just dabble in in all facets of journalism. So print, radio, broadcast, right? Those are the things that, you know, I was trying to decide whether or not I wanted to pursue. 
Mm-hmm. And then when I did my my internships, I was like a production assistant at those three television stations in Boston. I I loved it. I mean, I loved working in like broadcast media. I thought it was cool. I loved the pace. I loved the frenetic energy, you know, of like, you know, pulling scripts together for the anchors right before the broadcast. Like it was it was like really, really fun. It was intense and it was like I would say it was kind of a toxic environment too, but there was something about it that I really liked. I really enjoyed. So I thought that I wanted to pursue television broadcast, right? Mm-hmm. Or television broadcasting. And then I started, you know, like I would, I would, I would sit in a newsroom and I would be there for hours and I would see like these news feeds. They used to have like, you know, multiple TV monitors that had like these news feeds that were coming in from all over the world. And I would see all kinds of like social unrest and, you know, violence and protests and all these different things, like, or just the feeds. Like, you know, this is not footage that was cut into like a one minute, five second piece. I mean, this was like the actual footage that I was watching all, you know, all of it, you know, just raw and uncut. And I started thinking to myself, wow, this is, this is, this is a, it's a really, it's a really interesting world out there. And, and I felt like broadcast journalism, TV journalism didn't really capture everything that was really going on. It, w- it wasn't really putting things into a, like a larger social and political context that I felt was important. Like yeah. I was curious about what was really going on in many of these places and whether it was here in the United States or somewhere else around the world. Like I just wanted to know more. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, a, a TV newscast doesn't really get into that kind of stuff. And then at the same time, I took a class at Northeastern called Blacks in the Media and the Press. And it was like a media literacy class that focused on the representation of Black people in the media, television, film, magazines, and on the news. Mm-hmm. And it really deconstructed a lot of the images that we often see in the media, right, of Black and brown people. And during that class, we watched a couple of films by a filmmaker named Marlon Riggs. And his films really blew me away. I was really transformed by his work. And his films opened my eyes to, like, the the, the different ways that Black and brown people were talked about in the media. And I immediately said, that's what I want to do. I want to do that. You know, I want to have the kind of impact that Marlon Riggs has had on me, I want to have that same impact on other young people, other students. And so that was when I first decided that I wanted to become a documentary filmmaker, but I didn't know any documentary filmmakers. I didn't have any filmmakers in my family. So it was it was kind of, it was overwhelming, you know, to kind of pursue that particular craft. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Definitely. And then I also heard that there was no money in it, which is true. <laughs> but you know, so I was I was scared to really go in that direction. So that was that was how I made the shift from television broadcast and print journalism to documentaries. That's cool. It's I I really like too that what a lot of what I got out of that was that inspiration can really come from anywhere from that film yeah. class and you never really know what is going to impact you and I I'd like to imagine that your documentaries the same way are impacting people where they're like wow you're bringing to light something that I would have never even considered and yeah. Just speaking on that, just the topics of your films, you know, I went through your filmography a little bit and I am curious because a lot of these topics, they feel like 
not niche. I don't know how to explain it, but they're not necessarily the most common things that people are talking about. So not only how are you coming up with the ideas for these films, but at the same time, how are you, what is your process to like digging through them and getting to the bottom of it? Well, usually there has to be some sort of personal connection or Mm -hmm. at the very least, some curiosity about a particular topic. So I'm very much into race, gender, and class issues. Mm-hmm. So those are the issues that I think most about in my day-to-day. And as like a filmmaker and a storyteller, whenever I see, you know, whenever I see an issue that is affecting people, I always ask myself, is there a way that I can put this issue into a much larger context and deconstruct it by telling the story in a film. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of like how I make a decision about whether or not, you know, I should pursue a particular doc- a documentary or, you know, the topic that the documentary is going to focus on. So there has to be a personal connection. And I think having a personal connection is important or at least some passion about that. Yeah. Connection or passion about that topic is important because documentary films usually take at least a year or two, if not more, to get done, sometimes five years. My film Hazing took 10 years to make. So it has to be something that personally connected to or that I'm passionate about. Mm -hmm. I also make documentary films that address cutting edge issues, which is you referred to it as niche issues. I prefer to say cutting edge. In other words, Mm -hmm. issues that or hot button issues, or taboo issues, or sensitive issues, issues that really haven't been explored a, hot, mm-hmm. a whole lot or treated in a documentary film. And so that's also very important to me because, you know, when I make a film, first of all, because I know they take a long time to make, I want the issue to still be relevant three years, five years, 10 years from now when mm-hmm. the film is done, right? So right. if it's more cutting edge it is, the less people are talking about it, the more of a hot button issue it is, the more likely it's going to be perfect timing once the film is completed. Mm-hmm. So that takes a little bit of like a forward thinking and strategy about, okay, is this the right topic to address? Right. And I think you I, I think you nailed that too with your latest film, which I thoroughly enjoyed, by the way. I promise it's not pandering. I really did enjoy it. Um, and I think you did a wonderful job with it. And what was, what really struck me was, like you said earlier, like you mentioned, you like to have a personal connection with the topic. And I think this was really interesting because you were able to interview and use your own family members as a way to not even just explore your family's history, but to really use them as a sort of, um, I guess, a vessel to really convey these hot button issues that are really relevant today. And as you said, are going to be relevant tomorrow. Where did you get the idea to do that from? Was this something that just kind of struck you in the middle of the night one night? Or is this something you had been mulling over for a few years? Well, the the, the idea of making this film is actually spurred on by Nova, um, mm-hmm. GBH and, and Nova. Uh, the producers at Nova reached out to me sent me an email during the pandemic. They told me that they had seen my pre- one of my previous films, uh, Soul Food Junkies. They really loved it, and they wanted to know whether or not I would be interested in making a science 
science-based film, well, film focused on science. And I mean, I'd never considered that as a as like a topic idea. And so I didn't really know if I had a science story to offer them. So I took a couple of days to think about it and you know, I came up with a few ideas and I I reached out, I reached back out to them. They weren't really all that, you know, interested in the first couple of uh, ideas that I brought to them. And then um, I thought about my family members and the fact that they were um, doing this ancestry work and that they were using DNA, Mm -hmm. you know, to track down or to, you know, to to go back in time and learn more about our ancestors. And I thought, wow, that's that that may be like a really interesting story. Maybe they'd be interested in that. So I went back to them with that idea and they loved it. And so they asked me to write like a treatment. So I spent a Saturday morning and I wrote a three page treatment. It was really, really, really rough. It was like a big, big, big idea um, in terms of like, you know, what we could do with the film. And I sent it to them and they loved that. And so then we just started having serious conversations about like what the story could be and, you know, how we could tell the story. And then the more we talked, the more I sort of fleshed out the idea and tried to figure out you know, who would be the key players in my family that I would follow and that sort of thing. And so then it became a collaboration. They signed off on it and they gave me the, the funding necessary to make the film. And that's that's pretty much how it happened. That's awesome. Yeah, I really enjoyed the way that you structured the film too, where you were leading up to the family reunion. Family reunion yeah. And I thought that was really cool because it's like, okay, 12 months, you know, we have, you know, X amount about the Hurt family right now. And then like, as each month passed, you're just slowly but surely uncovering, I guess, I don't know what you call it a clue, but it was really interesting. And then just, you know, you're meeting people that may or may not be extended family while at the same time, tying it all back to not only the history of your family, but just, you know, the history in general of what was happening at the time. And I thought that, and I don't want to spoil anything, but I found the ending to be very powerful too. Yeah, thank you. Well, thank yeah. you for not spoiling anything. You know, I, I, you know, I have like a list of film ideas, like you know, on my wall, or at least at that point, I had a, um, like a list of um film topics, and making a film about black family reunions had already been on my list. Mm-hmm. So I looked at that list and I said, okay, well, what can I do related to black family reunions that could be science related? And that's when I that's when I remembered that they were doing the ancestry research. And and that's when I, you know, put the two together, the family reunion topic along with the DNA topic. So, yeah, um, that's how it came together. And and speaking just to I know you mentioned that it was going to be science based. I think that all the DNA, everything, all the DNA information that you portrayed was very digestible, especially for someone like myself with exactly zero science background. So it was making a lot of sense to me. And I think it would make a lot of sense to everybody. So I really appreciate you honestly sharing that with us too. So my next question is, since this is Northeastern Next, I always like to ask the guest, what's next? What's next for you, Byron? Well, you know, I'm working on a short documentary film now. It's called Men of Courage, mm-hmm. and it features five to six African-American and Latinx men who are working with boys and young men, educating them about gender-based violence and what they can do to end it. They're trying to 
break the cycle of domestic violence and sexual assault and rape and other issues in black and brown communities in the state of New Jersey. So I've been funded by the state of New Jersey, um, the the, um, uh, New Jersey Coalition to End Domestic Violence. And so we're we're making a short that's going to highlight these five to six men. And uh, so that's the next film. And then I'm, I'm also collaborating with my one of my mentors, Stanley Nelson, on a film that I can't really talk about right now, but <laughs> it, 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 it really um, plans to be like a really, really big, big story, you know, that we're going to be working on. That's awesome. And that's incredible. And that is something that I'm sure we're all going to look forward to and we're going to be really excited to see. So the documentary... Lee and Liza's Family Tree, out now on PBS. Is there anywhere else that you can watch it besides, uh, I found it on the PBS website. Where else can- uh, PBS, PBS.org slash Nova and just search for Lee and, Lee and Liza's Family Tree. Mm-hmm. And it's also available on the PBS app. So if you download the PBS app and then search for Lee and Liza's Family Tree, you should be able to find it there as well. That's awesome. And we actually, right now, we actually have a- 30-second preview clip of Lee and Liza's family tree. Who isn't curious about family history? There's a lot of people, and you may feel this way too, that you just don't know. Like, who is this person? Who is this person? Where we came from. Who our people are. We know nothing. We have to rely on some of our older family members to really tell us what they remember. I heard that they say he was a tall, fair-skinned man with green eyes and red hair. My family is on a quest. So is this the only picture that we have of Lee Hurt? The only known picture. We're hoping that DNA testing can unlock secrets of the past. We're going to have to find the common link somewhere up in the generations. That's one way how the DNA works. Thank you again, Byron. I really appreciate you taking time to speak with me today. The documentary is amazing, and everybody out there listening should go and watch this. It's a really, really great story. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate you watching and I appreciate you being um, prepared. That makes me feel great, you know, as a as a former journalism student at Northeastern. Um, I'm glad to see that you're carrying on the tradition of journalists and great media people coming out of the school. So thank you very much. I appreciate thank it. You. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Northeastern Next. Nova, Lee and Liza's Family Tree is available for streaming on pbs.org slash Nova and on the PBS app. Be sure to check it out. Thanks again, and we'll see you soon.